You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Film Show. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to talk about a few film and TV news items and then gather around the virtual water cooler to talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, so just real quick, a message up top here. There are not going to be any podcast episodes next week. I'm taking a vacation, so there's that. I mentioned it in... Tuesday's podcast, but I just wanted to put it right up at the top of the show in case people weren't paying attention and in case you're wondering why that's happening. That's why. Okay, so let's jump into the news, Chris. There are just really two things that I wanted to mention briefly. Uh, Scream 7 now seems to have a director in the form of Happy Death Day Helmer, Christopher Landon. Uh, He, I think, Bloody Disgusting originally reported this and then Christopher Landon himself came on Twitter yesterday I think because of all the the talk and, and rumors and stuff and basically confirmed that he was going to be directing the next Scream movie. So uh, I know you're a Christopher Landon fan. What do you think about him being uh, the right fit or not for a Scream movie? Yeah, I think this is a, a great fit, actually. I'm I'm really looking for I really like Christopher Landon's films. I love the Happy Death Day movies. I really loved Freaky. So uh, I, I'm actually really excited about this because I didn't I didn't love the last two screen movies. I thought they were okay. So the idea of handing it over to a new filmmaker to see what else, you know, see what someone else can do with it. Uh, that, that intrigues me. I'm very interested to see what, what Christopher Landon does here. Do you think it's going to be the same sort of young cast? Do you think that they've like, I guess, locked themselves into, all right, the next 10 plus years of screen movies are going to be with these people. Or do you think that the idea that the director could be cycled out, also means that the protagonists could be cycled out. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they're really all in on the the, the new uh, the the new current lineup. So I have a feeling at the very least the next movie is going to 
stick with them, but I would be fine with a new cast as well, because I, like I said, I'm not that blown away by the, the previous two movies. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it makes, it makes sense for them to keep Jenna Ortega, who's like certainly one of the most, you know, uh, I guess, well-liked up and coming stars with Wednesday being such a big hit and all that. So it, it would be fairly silly of them i think at this point to just be like mm, no we're going to dump that and, and move on to something else but yeah i was just curious what you thought about that um i i also am not crazy about that young cast i mean i yeah i think these movies are fine and fun and whatever but i feel like there's a lot of potential there in this franchise to really like elevate things and take things to another level and and um i yeah i, I would personally be fine with with a little bit of a switch up in terms of the casting as well but um yeah, we'll see. Uh, one thing to note is like just because this announcement happened doesn't mean that Scream 7 is actually going to get in front of cameras anytime soon. There are still two strikes happening. And that was the other quick bit of news that I wanted to mention is that there seems to be some movement on the strike front uh, or at least one half of the strike front. So there was a report yesterday that said that uh, the studios have reached out to the Writers Guild of America and set a meeting for tomorrow, this this coming Friday, um, to potentially restart negotiations. So, I mean, that's a long way away from a deal being struck or anything like that. But um, it's it's definitely better than what it has been for the past 90 plus days for the writers, which has just been uh, radio silence from the studios. So, um yeah, at least there tends to be or there there seems to be uh, some sort of movement happening there. And then we can only hope that uh, once that is resolved, they'll go. The studios will reach out to the actors and, and sort of wrap this thing up and, and get everything back up and running again uh, in a way that is fair and equitable to to uh, the, the folks who are actually doing the work. So I uh, just wanted to mention that up at the top. All right. So with all of that said, let's take a quick break and then we'll get into the water cooler. All right, Chris, let's get into it. What have you been watching recently? Uh, I rewatched one of my my favorite comfort films, and that is Sneakers, which is the Phil Eldon Robinson film from 1992 starring Robert Redford, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, uh, Cindy Poitier is in it, David Strathairn, River Phoenix. It's got a great cast. And uh, man, I just love this movie. This is, um, it's, it's kind of like a... <laughs> it's, I want to call it like a low stakes movie because it, it feels like nothing like consequential happens, but that makes it sound like, why am I watching this movie? And it's, it's, it's not inconsequential. It's just kind of this like a laid back sort of spy thriller. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just this like very cool, collected, funny, charming movie. The cast is so incredibly charming here that I, I kind of wish they had made like several sequels, with this cast coming back to have more, you know, spy missions where they're they're tracking down devices and stuff like that it's like yeah. the anti, it's like the anti-mission impossible it's a team but they <laughs> they don't do anything really that that's strenuous they mostly just sit around talking yeah the thing about this movie that you know when i think about it when i picture it in my mind it, it's kind of a dorky movie in a way yeah. because like everybody is kind of uh you know it's not like people are dressed in slick suits or anything everybody's just kind of like wearing jeans and sneakers and like oh i guess because the the title is called sneakers uh but like you know there's it's it's a little bit of a sort of a dorky movie what, what do you make of that that aspect of it yeah i agree i think that's part of the charm it's it's just kind of like it's not a cool movie like these like these aren't cool spies they're not i mean they're not even really spies. just like lack for a better term but they're not like james bond they're just a bunch of like 
they're nerds basically who yeah. just are really good at this job and that's that's just part of the charm watching the, these nerdy people get along and engage in this this uh covert mission they get wrapped up in i wonder if a movie like this could work with a younger cast there's something about that cast and the age that they were at at the time of filming which was what like they were probably all around their in their 40s or like early 50s or something right like yeah uh there's just something about the way that hollywood operates right now where i i don't know if a movie like this could get made because it lacks that sort of like sexy spark that it seems like every movie kind of has to have in some way yeah. um which is a real shame and and also like i'm not even sure who among the sort of um up and coming younger uh tier of actors and movie stars if you want to call them that we have could could even do something like this um if you ha- <laughs> this is really putting you on the spot chris but like if you had to recast a 2023 version of sneakers is there any performer that could jump into any of these roles that you can think of man i don't know that's tough i feel like if they did it now timothy chalamet would be the river phoenix role just because he's like he's young and hot they would give it to him and then i i don't know who else they would give it to you know beyond yeah like who is our modern robert redford do we even have a modern robert redford i don't think we do honestly i mean robert redford's still around so he's he's technically the modern robert redford so. yeah and and like for a long time brad pitt i think was was said to be the sort of heir apparent to robert yeah. redford but now he's he's probably older than robert redford was when when sneakers originally came out yeah probably um yeah interesting i I love uh ben kingsley's performance in that movie he's really going for it and and just kind of doesn't mind looking ridiculous and but it really works for the movie um the i guess that's why i'm glad that there aren't sequels because this movie actually has like a uh a tight-knit story that really seems to work and it, it really stands on its own and uh i love that world and i agree that i would i would love to revisit those characters but like the the personal nature of the story um, really lends itself to just a, a one-off kind of thing, you know? Um, but yeah, what else have you been watching? Uh, I just watched and I reviewed uh, the passenger, which is a new movie from Blumhouse. That's going to uh, MGM plus, which I guess is a thing. I always like, I always forget there are all these other yeah. <laughs> streaming services that people don't really talk about, but MGM plus that's a thing. And that's where this movie is going. And this is pretty good. Um, it's a very bare bones, stripped down, economical thriller that uh, it, it's a two hander. It's it's two. It's got like two leads, and uh, it doesn't really. It's not really trying to like split the atom. I guess is what I'm trying to say here, and I, I like it for what it is. Um, uh, it's about this guy. Uh, his name is Bradley, and he's he works at a fast food joint, and he's kind of a loser. And one day, his coworker, played by Kyle Gallner, uh just up and kills everyone in the restaurant except for Bradley. And then he Bradley and, and Kyle Gunner's character go on a, a little mini road trip throughout town where they sort of revisit things from Bradley's past that uh, have made him into this sort of like nebbish, uh, timid, weak guy that he is today. And it's just huh. a, it's a strange movie. It's just, a, it's, it's very violent and it's very tense and I, I appreciated it for what it is. It, it, it probably deserves better than just getting dumped on MGM plus. So I hope it finds an audience cause it, it's pretty uh, tightly knit and, and well-made. And I, I, I was, I was impressed with what they did with so little. Cause it like, it's, 
it's just a handful of locations. A lot of the movie is set in a car and it works. It just works for what it's trying to do. Is uh is the guy who does not get shot, does he feel like um does he seem uh stressed out the whole time being like yeah. going on this kind of adventure? Does he feel like under the gun like at any time this guy could snap and kill me too? Or is yeah, it that's, like okay. That's part of it. And it's also because the way the character is. The character you get the sense that on one hand, he's being held against his will, but the other hand, the character is so timid and he's such a pushover that you kind of feel like he would go along for this ride, even if he wasn't being forced, just because that's the kind of character he is. So that's kind of the dynamic of of that character, that he's so easily led, he's so easily cowed that he would probably go along with this no matter what. And that's sort of like the thrust of the narrative there, where it's like, is he really being held against his will or is he just going along with the, for the ride? Interesting. Okay, so that's called The Passenger, and it's on MGM Plus right now, or will be soon? Or Tomorrow. It comes tomorrow. tomorrow, okay. Excellent. Uh, I had the chance to watch One False Move, the 1992 movie directed by Carl Franklin, who went on to direct uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, and he's directed a ton of TV shows, uh, Mindhunter, and um, let's see, what else? Uh, I want to say he did some... Uh, what the hell is the name of the show called uh, Homeland. He did some Homeland. He did House of Cards. He's worked on uh, Vinyl and Bloodline and uh, the Newsroom and like a lot of, um, I guess, shows over the past 10 years or so. Uh, but this was his first movie. And uh, this is a, a little neo-noir movie that was co-written by Billy Bob Thornton, actually. And it's, it, start, it stars him um, as well as Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton plays the main character, who's this guy named Dale Hurricane Dixon, who is the police chief of a small town in Arkansas. And the movie opens with a series of murders in Los Angeles, and the characters uh, who participate in those murders end up going to Arkansas to try to stash the money or... Uh, get more, uh, I think they're trying to trade cocaine for money or something. They, they end up going to this Arkansas town as sort of, um, you know, like a, to, they're, they're on the lamb. They're trying to uh, get away with their, their crime. And uh, Dixon realizes like, okay, these people are coming. So a couple of LA cops go out to meet him. And he's just this real sort of hayseed backwoods type of guy. He's, he's uh, you know, a, a nice guy, but also like, kind of naive and he talks a lot about like oh maybe i could j- come out and join the lapd and these guys kind of like look askance and are like this guy he's kind of uh you know he's a little bit of a, a nerd out here like he's, he's out of his element uh but this movie is actually very very good i mean the the uh, there's some really fascinating twists and turns in here and the characterizations are great uh bill paxton it's always so good to see him uh, in anything. And this is like, I think his first big movie star performance, even though this was a relatively small movie at the time. Um, Chris, have you ever seen this? I'm embarrassed to say I have not. I've heard great things about it. I've just never gotten around to seeing this. And one day, one day I hope to. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll like it. I, I watched it streaming on the Criterion channel and um, I, I think you would like it a lot. It's, it's definitely got like a lot of style to it. And um, it's actually like surprisingly brutal the the murders that open the movie um i was kind of shocked because they definitely don't make uh mainstream american thrillers like this very much now where the um the killer is like unrepentant and and kind of brutal in in the slaying of these uh relatively innocent or maybe fully innocent people at the in the opening of this movie um and you it kind of gives you this unsettled feeling and puts you on your back foot a little bit like jesus christ if this guy does this in the opening of this movie what else is going to happen during this thing um 
so really just watch it for for Bill Paxton because he's fantastic at, and yeah it's really it's fascinating to see Carl Frank, uh, Franklin like you know uh to go back to the the beginning with him and and sort of see where he came from and how he sort of was able to develop his skills over the years so that's called One False Move uh, and then I also watched a film from 1944 called The Mask of Demetrios which has been on my list of things to watch for a long long time but I finally got around to checking it out and this is a movie that stars Sydney Greenstreet and Peter Laurie, who is a combination that, that that pairing, that duo has been in a bunch of movies together over the years. They were in uh, the Maltese Falcon and they were in Casablanca together and they were in um, God, a, a bunch of different movies together over the years. And it's really fun to see them because they're almost like cartoon characters because Green Street is like this huge hulking guy and Peter Laurie is this sort of sinewy little uh, weaselly looking dude. And um and they're just really, really fun to watch together. I think this is my favorite. I mean, I love Casablanca. That's that's definitely a better movie than The Mask of Demetrios. But in terms of like, if you're watching movies just for their partnership, this is the best movie that that has given them both roles that uh, are not just little supporting roles to actors like Humphrey Bogart. They are the stars of this movie. Um, and the concept is uh, Peter Lorre plays a mystery writer a a detective novelist who is visiting istanbul and he learns about this body of a guy who's washed up on the on the beach uh, whose name is demetrios macropolis and the police chief who's a fan of this mystery novelist tells him a little bit about this body and like hey that yeah this guy demetrios like here's a little bit of the backstory on him and this guy being a detective novelist is fascinated with the the criminal history of demetrios and and becomes obsessed with finding out like everything he can about this guy because he, he wants to sort of use him as a character in one of his upcoming novels so the whole movie is him sort of learning little pieces of Demetrios's backstory and like whisking across Europe to all these different far-flung locales and uh the the on-location filming in this movie is really beautiful and it's just a really really good uh tight little fun thriller that the um, cinematography is is really cool too i mean super shadowy very uh, very film noir-ish um but yeah i just found myself like very um uh enamored by the story i thought it was like incredibly well paced and and um well done and there's this guy this actor named zachary scott who pops up as demetrios in in flashbacks and for a second i would have sworn that it was sir ben kingsley and i was like wait this movie came out in 1944 the timeline does not make sense but this guy looks so much like ben kingsley it was nuts so uh anyway i just wanted to mention that in case anybody happens to watch it and have that same thought but um have you ever seen this chris have you ever heard of this i've never even heard of this no it sounds interesting though yeah it's it's a lot of fun um i think the it it unfolds in a really really entertaining way um and it's fairly short too it's like 95 minutes or something which is always nice to see these days so uh yeah that is called the mask of demetrios i want to say this is also streaming on the criterion channel right now but i i dvr'd this from turner classic movies and watched it that way um so yeah we don't really have much else to talk about on today's show i just in the what we've been playing section i wanted to give a quick shout out to an album that i bought uh essentially on a whim um I got a record player not too long ago, Chris. And so I've been like slowly, very, very slowly building up a little bit of a record collection and going into like used, uh, you know, record shops and stuff and just sort of flipping through and looking for movie related stuff where I can find it and just things that, that might interest me. And I picked up an album called welcome to the real world by Mr. Mr. I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Mr. But, um, 
they had two big hits, uh, Broken Wings and Kyrie uh, in the 80s. And this this album came out in 1985. Uh, and it's just this really fun, poppy, new wave kind of thing. Like if you like the music from Sing Street, I think you'll dig uh, Welcome to the Real World by Mr. Mister. And and I bought it because I know Broken Wings. I had that song, you know, back in the, uh, in like the uh, Napster days, I think I, <laughs> I downloaded that as like, you know, one of those singles I would hear off the radio occasionally. Um, and so I, I've had a long, uh, I've, I've long admired that song. I appreciate it, even though it's a little uh, epic and ridiculous, but I, I like that song a lot. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll pay six dollars for this record and see what happens with it and i ended up really liking every single song on it so um i just wanted to give it a, a quick shout out uh do you <laughs> I, I think i know the answer chris do you have any relationship to mr mr the band no i i'm not uh i know who they are i've heard the name before but i don't have any uh <laughs> connection to mr mr i mean i frankly i would be shocked if you did i think they really only released like four albums or something and this was like their biggest one by far um i, I did want to ask you though you have a record player don't you yes i do so what kind of stuff do you what kind of records do you buy do you like keep it um you know exclusively like uh soundtracks and scores and like movie related stuff or do you expand out to to other genres what, what's your like what what um is the bar that you're looking for in terms of like all right i'm gonna get this on vinyl you know i would say 90 percent of what i have is is soundtracks and and movie related stuff and then i have a few uh you know regular bands and stuff like that but i tend to prefer soundtracks for some for whatever reason i don't really have a reason behind it i just prefer soundtracks on vinyl uh just because i don't know it's just it's just what how just how the it started off slow and then it became a, a bigger collection of, of just me buying soundtrack. I guess just because there are so many that get special releases now through, you know, like Waxworks and Mondo and, mm-hmm. and yeah, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so soundtracks are what I, I tend to gravitate towards on vinyl. And and uh, do you use your uh, record player like as your primary source of listening to music or is it uh a specific type of thing. Cause I really only use mine kind of like when I'm making dinner and things like that, like sort of in the evenings, I never listen to it during the day, but like, do you just like throw something on, you know, in the middle of the work day, like a, a score or something and like have that going in the background? Like how, how do you utilize your record player? I usually put it on, on the weekends when I'm just like chilling out and not doing anything. I don't really listen to it during the week. It's more like a, it's a little weekend treat if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was just curious about that. Uh, all right. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for today's show. And again, no episodes next week. So we'll be back the week after that. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. The SlashFilm show is published two times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you could find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link to do that right in the show notes as well. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.